you know, the business is, you know, the, you have to be in it, you know, all the time. Where here, there's a, there's a passiveness to it. Once you can get uh, the management going and get the property stabilized, then you could really scale it. All right, guys, welcome to the Millionaire Enlisted Podcast. Today we have Darren Batch Elder. Uh, he is a real estate investor and he has also a number of other credentials, limited partner, um, loan manager. He, he has processed over $4 billion in loan sales. So tons of experience today. And if uh, possible, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us a like, give us a follow, and uh, a five-star review. All right, Darren, tell us, how did you get started in this? And where are you at now? Because you have tons of experience. So tell us how <laughs> your, your crazy <laughs> that's a, journey. That's a, that's a lot right there. So, Well, thanks, thanks first of all, for having me on the show. Um, appreciate the chance to get to know you guys and, uh, and hopefully add some value to, to your listeners. Um, so my background, uh, I've been in the loan trading business for for a long time um i've i have my uh, separate business that does that focuses on trading residential multifamily, and commercial real estate loans and about two years ago i decided i wanted to get into the real estate game and um but i didn't want to do single family fix and flips so i wanted to do larger scale multifamily properties and so i joined a mentorship group here in the dallas area uh, the brett brad sumrock group and I met a ton of other syndicators and I was able to leverage their experience um, and, and, the, and the partners they were working with, the vendors that they were using um, to be part of their team. I was able to leverage their experience to, um, you know, to, to come out of the gate pretty quick. And you know, within a year's time, was able to go from you know, zero large scale multifamily to you know, a 76 unit deal. Nice. That's awesome. So let me ask you this. So as far as uh, your, your business that you had bef beforehand, because I, I get the, the whole not wanting to do the fix and flip. You had a mentor. Uh, obviously, that was worth it. Going into For that. me, the, the value was getting plugged into the network. So um, I think there's a ton of value in learning from people that have already done what you want to do, right? Yeah. So. I was able to say, hey, you know, what property management companies do you guys use? What attorneys do you use? You know, what what general contractors do you do you use for the rehab? Um, you know, what what were some of the the uh, things you had to look out for? And and so that shortened my learning curve dramatically. So it you know it was a, it was definitely an investment um, to to join a group like that. But I would do it all over again. Gotcha. Sure. Are, you, are you still doing the the loan piece of it too of your your self startup your business yeah so i still have the other business that that trades loans as well but you know, a lot of my focus is growing the real estate side of the business that is awesome so, so what me, made you i'm sorry oscar what made you change so you had your own business and all, what made you direct your life towards real estate and multifamily? you know um, a few different reasons. One, one is that the, the other business, you know, is, uh, it's a business and 
you're taxed based off of the income on the business. And with real estate, there's significant tax advantages to, to investing in real estate um, based on the depreciation and, and the depreciation expense that could be allocated to each investor's um, you know, share of, the, of the, the investment. And so that was a very attractive because the wealth building opportunity uh, within the multifamily side and, and all, of, all of large scale real estate. The other thing is that, um, you know, I met with an uh, insurance guy recently and he was talking to me, hey, when do you want to retire? And, and now with this multifamily thing, you know, I don't really want to retire, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I just want to keep doing deals and doing bigger deals. But with the, the business, you know, the business is, you know, the, you have to be in it you know, all the time where here there's a, there's a passiveness to it. Once you can get uh, the management going and get the property stabilized, then you could really scale it. You have third-party management. Um, I know some syndicators, they grow to a size where they, where they end up bringing um, management in-house and they actually form a, a management company. Uh, but right now my focus is, you know, third-party management, but you can, you can scale it. Once the property is stabilized, you can go on to the next deal, you know, and onto a bigger deal. And the other thing that's very attractive to me about the multifamily uh, syndication space is that with my other business, all the profit comes to me and my family, right? And on the syndication side, you know, I've got a lot of limited partners. So I'm actually helping not only grow the wealth from my family, but also the wealth for all these other people. And, you know, I just turned 50 yesterday. I'm for me. Congrats. Thank you very much. You guys are you, I, a lot younger than I am. I could tell, um, <laughs> but you know, in order to, it's, it's a way for me to give back and serve others is, you know, if I could take the experience that I've had and then learn from people in the group and then leverage that so that I could help grow the wealth for other people. That's exciting to me. And that gives me, um, you know, it gives me energy and a passion to, to keep going forward. That's awesome. So you definitely fell in love with it. And it seems like for you, this isn't work anymore. It's uh, actually just fun. Am I correct? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go totally there. I mean, it's, um, I love it because I love, I love building relationships, right? So, on our deal, we had 44 limited partners on, on the 76 unit deal. And so I want to continue to impact more people and more people um, in a couple different ways. One is I want to attract other people to want to, you know, invest passively into these types of deals because I didn't even know I could do that until two years ago. Um, you know, I would have invested with other people as I was, you know, I was making good money in, in different career paths. Um, but I didn't even know you could do this, yeah. uh, pool your money and buy these large properties. So, I, you know, I'd like to attract new people so I can help grow their wealth. But I also want to, um, and this has no financial gain to me at all, but I just love giving back and helping the next guy achieve their goals. You know, so I have a lot of people reach out to me on Instagram. They're like, hey, man, I listen to a podcast. I'd like to, you know, get 
better understanding of what you think I should do for next steps. I want to get to this. And I get off the phone. I tell my wife, you know, that guy is not going to invest with me, but he's a go-getter. He's a hustler. And I think he's going to be successful. And that was what, that was time well spent. You know, I'm not going to make a dime off of it, but you know, that's part of life, right? Is giving back to other people. And so, you know, I, I'm very open to giving back my time to, to help other people. And, and a ton of people have helped me along the way. So I love that, man. Giving back in that abundance mindset. Um, as far as your, your two businesses, you know, syndication, your loan, are you complementing one with the other? Are you, is there, no, they're, they're, pretty, the loan? they're, they're pretty separate. Um, I would say that the, um, the only crossover really is in knowledge. So I, you know, for years I've traded um, large multifamily portfolios. So, you know, before I got involved in the mentorship group and started decided to go in after large scale multifamily real estate, you know, I already understood the language. You know, I already understood the asset. I already understood the, you know, the terminology. Um, and so that, has been helpful. You know, I already understood a lot of different financing programs, you know, so that, you know, was helpful, but other than that knowledge, um, you know, I, I'd say, no, they're pretty, they're pretty two distinct businesses. Awesome. German, what you got? No, no, no. I was going to ask him. So you were, you, you've been always a businessman, an entrepreneur, right? And you've been on the, uh, um, associated with, with, with real estate before. Um, how come you didn't do this before? How come only two years ago in, in, so can you, can you take us to, to that? I, w- I wish I did it earlier, man. Okay. When I talk to young, young guys, I'm like, you found the niche, man, figure it out and do it. You know? Yeah. So the, you know, I was, um, I was brought up with the go to school, get good grades, go to college, get good grades so you can get a good job and climb the corporate ladder, right? I mean, so, you know, I I graduated as a CPA with Price Waterhouse. Well, as a accounting degree, I got my CPA with Price Waterhouse. I worked with PepsiCo and traveled international with them and worked in software sales and, you know, made good money. Um, and then I transferred in the, the last job I had before I started my company was with a large bank, a Dutch bank called AB and AMRO. And I was on their mortgage capital markets trading desk. And so we were doing institutional trading. AB and AMRO was originating, you know, uh, they were a top five jumbo originator. They're, you know, millions and millions and millions of, of loans. And then we were on the trading desk reselling those to other banks. Okay, across the country, uh, residential loans and also multifamily loans. So I I got to know the asset class from that. But I always had the entrepreneur itch. I always wanted to go off and do my own thing. So um, I was with them from 2002 to 2006. That was with the last big real estate run up in values, um, and they. Uh, I made really good money and I just put, put it all aside. And I told my wife, you know, at some point this is going to end. 
Um, it doesn't make sense that real estate prices are going up 15% a year and incomes are only going up three or 4%. At some point, something's got to give. And so we all know that the financial crash happened. Um, and when that happened, you know, I, I left, I spent like six months playing golf and then I was trying to figure out what to do. I knew I was going to, I never wanted to work for anybody again. Okay. So I knew I wanted to start my own company, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, so after about six months, I, I was chasing around some commercial real estate deals, but I couldn't find anything that I liked. Um, I just started calling a few of my old banking customers and asked them, Hey, would you do business with me as a one man shop? And I kind of thought they were going to say no, but they were like, Hey, Darren, man, if you could find me good quality loans, I do business with you all day long. You know, our risk is really with the other bank that we're buying the loans from. We're just going to pay you a broker fee. And so I went off to the races. Um, but interesting thing, you know, people have asked me, what was the hardest part about starting your business? And you know, the answer is kind of funny is, is I say signing the lease to my office and yeah. people, people are like, why, you know, was it a long-term lease? Was it really expensive? Like what, why was that such a big deal? Because once I signed the lease, I had to tell my family, my friends, my ex colleagues that I used to work with that I'm in business. And it's that fear of failure right? Yes. You know, you're putting yourself out there and that fear that what if this doesn't work you know, people are going to laugh at me or like, you know, and, but then once I was in the office, you know, I'm dialing for customers and I realized I'm doing the same thing I was doing over for the other company, but all the profit is going to my business instead of, you know, a certain, you know, a small percentage, you know, mm -hmm commission. So yeah. um, I wish I knew about syndication much earlier. First of all, I would have been taking, you know, uh, cash and investing with other people. And secondly, I would have wanted to get into the syndication space, you know, at a much earlier age. Uh, but hey, I found it when I was 48. I'm thankful I found it. You know, some people don't find it. So I found yeah. it. And, uh, and I'm very thankful for that. And um, another thing that I would say with that is that somebody asked me last week, they said, Darren, would you recommend waiting till later in your career to get into syndication oh, or, starting early, or starting earlier? And I said, that's an interesting question because you start earlier, here's the challenge. The, cha the challenge if you, when you start earlier is you probably haven't saved up that much money. So you probably don't have a ton of capital to actually invest. In addition, you're young and you may not have built up a track record and a, uh, a, res a strong resume where people look at you and like, oh, that guy, he's successful, you know. Well, those two pieces are challenges, you know, getting started if you want to do large scale multifamily. Um, so you probably would have to, um, you, you definitely have to be a hustler, somebody that has a lot of confidence, 
and somebody that's comfortable as a younger person developing relationships with people that are older. And when I say older, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, because that is the bucket of people that have money to invest. So you have to be able to develop relationships and build trust with those types of people. So doctors and lawyers and, you know, going to your parents, friends and neighbors. And um, if you're comfortable doing that and you think that you can win those people over, um, then there's a good story to tell, you know, that you're, you're going out and doing the hustling and finding the deal and they're providing the capital to do it. Um, the benefit to waiting later in, in life is that you probably have more money and you probably have uh, a, a larger network of people that already know your accomplishments in other industries. And it's like, you know what, that guy's successful over in what he does. You know, I, I have confidence that if he comes over and does this, that, you know, he's a trustworthy guy and, and um, you know, I, I'll give him a shot. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Let me let me go a little bit into your um, you know, your recent kind of deal because you've been doing this for two years and now you're a, a principal owner. Um, how were you able to implement those steps that a mentor gave you in order to get to being that principal owner? Um, and and were you a sponsor? Were you, you know, a self a and a credit investor had enough net worth where you fought, you know, you guaranteed the loan yourself. How did that all come to place? So um, it's a combination of all, all those. So I am an accredited investor. Um, I invested in seven deals passively with different sponsors. Um, I don't think that everybody has to do seven deals before you do, you know, your own sponsorship deal. I chose to do that for, for a couple different reasons. One, I had, I had pulled a, a bunch of money out of the stock market and I just was more comfortable um, investing in large scale multifamily, thought it was a better investment. Um, and I also put it into um, different sponsors deals so that I could, I could see kind of the different styles that each sponsor had um, because it, you know, when you get into one of these deals, you're going to receive uh, email communication from each of the sponsors on your deal. And each one has a different style in terms of how much information they provide, what kind of reporting, what kind of, uh, and so it, it starts to form the basis of, okay, when I become a sponsor, what do I want that to look like? And you take the good, you know, the better pieces yeah. that you see from multiple people. Um, so in terms of, uh, becoming a sponsor at the same time as I was investing in these other deals, I started to go through the, the steps to become a sponsor. And there's a lot of steps and people say, which step was scary? And I'm like, they were all scary, you know? So <laughs> they, 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 they are, I mean, like it's, but you know, a number of people told me, don't get overwhelmed by all the things you have to do. Just focus on the next one or two steps, you know? And then once you do that step, you look back and you're like, you know, that wasn't so bad. And the next time you do it, it's no big deal. But then you have a new step that you've never done before and you're scared. I mean, little things like, 
what are you going to say to the broker and how are you going to build, you know, have the broker think that you're, um, you know, somebody that they should be working with, you know, what do you say to a property management company when you don't have a deal, you know, and you want them to put together a budget, um, you know, Hey, what do you say when you go into another apartment complex down the road to see what kind of rents that they're, they're charging for their property? All those things are like, until you do it, you're like, uh, am I going to fumble on this? Right. Yeah. You, and so you ask other people, how do you, do you handle the situation? And then it's just like anything. I mean, look, you guys started this podcast. I don't know what episode you guys are on, but I'm, I got to imagine the fifth episode, you were more comfortable than the first episode, you know, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's like anything. So you just have to kind of take that leap, you know, that step out there and, and um, do one step at a time. So that that's pretty much it. Yeah. I, th I think that's awesome for, for us. Actually, we're, uh, we're willing to hit a wall and fall and break our leg and learn from it. As long as we yeah. can take, a, as long as we can take a lesson from it. Uh, yeah, be, uh... I, absolutely. Look, <laughs> it takes a lot of courage to do it, you know, to put yourself out there, to reach out to new people, to, you know, develop listeners. I mean, like, look, I applaud you guys. It's, it's, it's fantastic. No, I, I, just to continue, I, 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 I love the story. I love the fact that, um, that, that you come from, from the nine to five job, you know, and, and you, your resume when when we were reading it and we were discussing it between my brother and I, it was so impressive. Uh, and to hear that in two years, uh, you're doing, you 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 were humble enough to go and look for mentorship, you know. And in two years, you've grown so much. Um, that's yeah, very impressive. Absolutely. So like, um, the winning. It took a year from start to finish to to close on the first. Uh, syndication deal and what I would say you know who, who knows things might change based on you know everything that's happening with the COVID crisis and who knows what happens with real estate values but um, you know in the Dallas market it's extremely competitive um, and I've talked to a lot of syndicators all over the country and they see the same thing as it's extremely competitive for large scale, you know, multifamily. When I talk about large scale multifamily, we kind of focus on 60 units or above. You know, my first deal was 76 units and now I'm focused on 100 plus. Um, well, I closed that deal. I could not have done that deal on my own. I'm convinced of that. So, you know, as I'm investing in other people's deals you know we're having these networking events with the mentorship group developing relationships with people that would potentially want to invest in in you know a sponsorship deal if i was to come up with a deal um, but also developing relationships with people that are two three four five years ahead of me that have already bought rehab sold you know, hundred plus unit deals, experienced guys that have been there and done that. Right. So in order to win deals, you really need to partner with somebody that has experience. Yeah. So I partnered with a guy that I met through the group. His name is Raj Gupta. 
Um, super guy, super smart guy, um, ton of real estate experience. And he's out of Chicago. Well, I never would have met him. I'm in North Dallas, right? Never would have met him had we not been both part of this mentorship group. And so we, we got along well. Um, when I found the deal, I pretty much put it all together and then contacted him and said, hey, I've got this deal. Would you be interested in partnering? You know, I had done all the legwork. Now, I re review it with him. He, he's got another property like five minutes away. He's like, oh, I know the area. I like the business plan. I'm in. Well, now when I submit the letter of intent, it's not just Darren Batchelder with an attractive loan trading resume, but it's me and so I've got the business background, but then I've, I'm partnered with Raj Gupta who has all this real estate experience. Right. And he also has a deal five minutes down the road. So when the broker and the seller look at that, it's a much more attractive buying group um, than had I tried to do it on, on my own. I, I, I know for a fact I would not have won that deal if I was not partnering with somebody that had substantial experience. Um, most of these deals get 15 offers, maybe five or six go into best and final, and then three deals are, you know, the offers are pretty close. And so the broker and the seller sit down with each other and seller says, who should I go with? Right. And yeah. the broker, who do you think the broker's going to pick? He's going to pick yeah. who he has the most confidence is going to close because one, he wants to get paid, right? Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't want the deal to go bad and his commission to go away. And secondly, he doesn't want to get egg on his face and, you know, possibly, um, you know, look bad in front of the seller and have to go back out and remarket the deal. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's critical to develop relationships with people that are experienced on your first deal or two. Um, so that, that's one of the values of, of joining a mentorship group. Good. I think uh, we'll, we'll take that one to heart. We appreciate that advice. That's solid right there. As far as um, you mentioned it being competitive right now and seen everywhere. I know we, we had a couple LOIs we sent out. We had a, a 50 unit that we were trying to get. It was extremely competitive, just like you mentioned. Um, what are you seeing now with COVID? Um, and are you slowing down as far as, when I mean slow down, maybe you're still looking, but are you trying not to buy right now and kind of maybe waiting for third quarter? What's your strategy right now? So um, it's definitely changed things for sure. Um, so in the last year, I've been runner up on three deals. And probably two or three weeks before COVID uh, happened and all the lockdowns started happening, I, I lost a deal that I really, I thought we were going to win the deal. Um, and it was very, very close and, but we did not win it. Later on, I kind of looked upstairs and thanked the big man upstairs yeah. because <laughs> it, it, it would have been a challenging time to go through an equity yeah. raise and raising money from people in the middle of that. Um, but, but the, I know the other group that, that won the deal and they got the deal done. Um, but you know, I'm sure there was a lot of, um, roller coaster rides going through, through that process. Um, so yeah, a lot of things are going to, I think things are going to change for sure. You know, 
with, um, you know, the government saying that there's no evictions for 120 days on a, on a lot of these uh, properties, it, you know, it's going to impact cash flow. Well, when cash flow goes down, you know, it impacts your valuation. So I personally think that there's probably going to be a time delay where, you know, sellers that were going to sell in Feb, thought, you know, their, their property was worth X in February. They probably don't want to drop their shorts, you know, and in, in March, April, and they're probably going to wait to see kind of how things flush out in terms of pricing. Um, and then on the flip side, I think buyers, it's going to be unrealistic, I think, for buyers to say, all right, April, May, June, your collections dropped by 20%. So, you know, your property should be worth 20% less. I, I think that, you know, that's probably going to be the worst case scenario. And that's going to be the most likely the, you know, the bottom of the cash flow. Um, so I think that the valuation will probably fall somewhere in between and it'll take buyers and sellers a little way to get there. Um, in terms of my strategy, um, I'm talking to all the brokers and saying, I'm, I'm game right now. You know, if, if there's an opportunity that, that comes uh, along right now, I'm open, but I'm not going to value it the same way I did in February. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to be looking for some kind of, because there's risk, right? Yeah. We don't know for sure. Is, are we, is, you know, you hear it on TV all the time. Is this a V? Is this a W? Is this a U? Is this a L? Is this a, you know, a swoosh? Yeah. What, what, there's no guarantee on what's going to happen. So there's additional risk. So any buyer has got to be uh, paid for that by having a lower, some kind of lower purchase price. Or what, what I saw happen with some folks, um, which I think this was a good win-win approach, was some people that went into contract pre-COVID and then COVID happened, they kind of renegotiated with the seller. Even though they were already in a contract, they, they're like, look, you know, this just doesn't make sense anymore. Um, you know, the, the bank is going to give me a lower loan yeah. because cash flow is going to go down. So their loan proceeds are going to get cut. Okay. The loan proceeds get cut. They have to raise more money and it's going to change the return profile for the deal. Um, so, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, sellers trying to come up with a win-win, you know, maybe they say, Hey, I'll put some money into escrow. Okay. And I'll guarantee your first 90 days won't drop below this amount of revenue, rental revenue. Even if it comes below, I'll make up the difference. Okay. For I was going to ask that. Yeah. For, for the first 90 days, you know, okay. um, but, and so that's, that's a great win-win and that takes away a little bit of the risk for the buyer. Right. Um, knowing that they've got another 90 days or, you know, whatever's negotiated 120 days. Um, but what if this ends up being, you know, a much bigger, you know, recession that lasts a long, you know, a year, two, three years? Well, they're gonna they'll they'll get paid for that ninety days, but then, you know, the buyer is on the hook 
you know, from that point forward. So um, nobody has a crystal ball, and yeah. but I think that there's going to be negotiation for sure. Okay. Well, that's, that's interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Different, different perspectives that we've heard from, from different people. Some people are like, yeah, we're buying right now. <laughs> we're like, okay. Yeah. I, I would uh, buy right now, but I, I definitely would be looking to, to have, you know, be paid for the additional risk yeah. either in a lower purchase price or having some, you know, some reserves set aside or something. So are you, are you having, um, well, are your investors, um, what are their concerns right now as far as, uh, well, obviously COVID, but what are they saying to you right now? Are they willing to still put in the same amount of money? Are they more conservative? And what kind of asset class are you looking to be a C? Um, so I haven't pulled, you know, all the investors. Um, I'm sure that there's investors that are completely on hold, you know, so, you know, um, and then there's other investors that will look at this as an opportunistic time to invest with people, you know? So, um, it's just a matter of having the confidence that you can raise the capital, you know? So between, so if I find a deal that I'm going to go partner with somebody that I know has a strong investor database and whether it's Raj or it's, you know, a, a, you know, he may be working on something else and I go to a different partner on my next deal, you know, that, and that's, that's fine. Um, and, but I'm going to feel confident between me and whoever I partner with, you know what, we're going to be able to raise this amount of capital, you know, and, and if we're confident in that, then, you know, we'll proceed. If we feel like, Hey, this might be a stretch, then now is probably not the right time to do that. Uh, your question in terms of what do we invest in? Um, so I'm focused on uh, BC. So I would define that as uh, 1960s, 70s, 80s construction, uh, workforce housing, kind of the tenant base is income profile is kind of maybe 35,000 to 65,000. Um, that's the kind of the tenant base, the, the profile of the property. Um, look for stabilized deals, which we would uh, define as 90% or greater occupancy, but that has some kind of value component. So what does that mean in terms of value component? That could mean a lot of different things. It could be, um, you know, the exterior of the property just hasn't been updated. So maybe it needs a new paint job and new signage and, you know, improve the curb appeal. Um, It may be that somebody else already did the exterior, but all the interiors are really dated. And so, you know, you could buy that property and then start start upgrading the interior units and then raising the rents on on the upgraded units. Um, Now, how do you know how far you can raise the rents? Well, you look at other properties around and you're like, okay, there's these two other properties that have already been renovated. Okay. They look much, it looks much nicer. It was built around the same time frame as our property. Um, but it's got a new paint job and they've, they've got nicer interiors. Okay. And they're getting a hundred to $125 more in rent. Okay. Well, that's kind of our, our, you know, our case, 
you know, and maybe we don't take it all the way to where they are. Maybe we say, all right, we're going to do this and we're going to raise rents by, you know, $85, whatever, um, and stay below them. But that's how you gauge, you know, whether you don't want to, I mean, there's always got to be somebody that's first that, that looks at the market and says, I'm going to upgrade this place. And I just know I can, we kind of focus on proving it out, you know, yeah. finding other properties that have already proved out, you know, the base, the case, and then just find another property that we could do it with. And that's definitely safer for you and the investors. Correct. So I'm I'm curious, Aaron, uh, and just to uh, to to start wrapping it up. Uh, sure. In regards to um, how has that how has uh, tra the transition to becoming a real estate investor um, has a, affected or benefited the uh, your lifestyle and and your family, the time that you spend with your family, your, your the balance. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I would say for, for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm later in my career than you guys. Right. So, um, it gave me a new energy and a new passion. Um, you know, um, my, I enjoyed my getting my business started and, and, um, you know, learning it and from, you know, ground up. But once I started making money at it, um, You know, it wasn't, it, it's a, it's still, it's a job for yourself. You know, you're self-employed, you know, you still got to, you know, bang the phones and do the work and um, the real estate side is a longer term play, right? So I don't have to spend as anywhere near as much time on one property. Um, but look, I spent the last year chasing my second deal. And I came runner up three times, right? And I didn't get my second deal. So this year, I sure as heck hope I, I do get my second deal. Um, but it, it's a longer term plan. Like, you know, when I look at it, it's not what one property can do. It's okay. I get one property one year and then one or two the next year and then one or two the next year. And then, then all of a sudden in year four, you know, you're selling the first deal and you get a big influx of capital. And then, you know, the next year you're selling the deal that you bought three years or four years before that. And then it starts to, to snowball. So, uh, you know, I think that it's probably a, you know, five year, you know, if, you know, on paper, my, yeah, my wealth has gone up, but like, it's different than, you have, it's all in an illiquid asset, right? And you're getting cash flow from it. Um, but that's, the, the mindset has shifted also from once you, once you get into real estate world, you start learning that all that stuff that you were taught before, save money, put it in a 401k, grow this big nest egg. And then when you retire, you pull money out. Yeah. Well, the real estate world teaches you a little different. You know, it's mm -hmm. more like buy assets that generate cash flow and that cash flow, you know, sustains your lifestyle. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's a whole different then, world. Yeah. It's a whole different world. So that's the process I'm in is taking, you know, K 
capital and putting it through the assets to generate the cash flow. So, so in, in other words, so real estate has, uh, or it allows you to spend more time with your family because it's not a continuous hustle. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely gives you flexibility, um, yeah. a flexibility of your time and, and, uh, and how you want to, you want to work it. I, I say if, you know, if you want to be successful in a competitive market, which real estate is competitive. And when you don't have experience, you're having to make up for that some way, yeah. you know, and most likely it's through the hustle factor. You know, yeah. either, you know, building more relationships, network, going to more networking events or, you know, underwriting more deals than the next guy, whatever the case may be, you, you got to make up for it somehow. Yeah. Um, but it's for the longer term, you know, I, so yeah, it gives me flexibility now, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's like, oh, I transitioned into real estate and then after a year or two, I can sit by the pool and not think about my next deal and yeah, like, yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm just hanging with the family the whole time. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's like that. I think, I think you got to put in your time and, oh, you know, but, but look, if you put in five years of hustle and then all of a sudden you're in a position where you could do one or two big deals a year and the, you know, all the brokers know you and they sent, they call you first before they send it out to everybody else. I mean, there's a lot of unfair things that happen and <laughs> that, that, that's okay. We just have to understand the game and know that, Hey, at some point I'm going to be in that situation where I'm getting the, you yeah, know, the, the, the good seat. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, eventually you're going to be in the good seat. Exactly. Nice. I hear you, man. Well, Darren, thank you so much, man, for coming on and, and dropping so much uh, amazing knowledge um last question where can people find you or reach you uh for anything your deals just to talk to you just sure um so always interested in, in talking with people for two things one if anybody's interested in you know uh investing passively love to to connect with them and also just if i can help out in any way um again i i love giving back so best places to reach me instagram uh, at Batchelder Darren. Um, that's B A T C H E L D E R D A R I N. Um, that's the be best places on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook and I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, and then you could email me at dbatchelder at T Z K properties.com. Awesome. Man. Well, again, thank you for coming on and. Uh, for your listeners out there, just hit that uh, five-star review and give us some feedback, good or bad. Um, let us know. We always like to improve. So stay safe out there, everyone. <laughs>